Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 7th of December 2008, entitled The Gift of God, Part 1, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. First Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 7, I invite you to stand to honor the reading. I'm just going to read one verse. We'll be looking at a number of passages this morning, but I'd like to begin with this one verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, for I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, as we have the privilege once again to be gathered together in your house. We thank you, Lord. Help us not to take this opportunity lightly. I pray, Lord, that as we gather here today, that not only would it be a blessing to each one, but, Father, may all that we do bring glory and honor to you. Father, we would pray especially, Lord, as we worship you today and as we look into your word that if there be one in our midst that's lost, that's never genuinely been saved, been born again, we pray that through the power of your Spirit you may speak to their hearts this day. We pray, Lord, that you would draw them to that point that they would come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Father, you know each Christian's heart. You know the needs of each one. You know the burdens that are being carried. You know what each one has to face in the, in the week ahead. And we pray that you might give to each one that that they need today. May it come directly from you through the anointing of thy power and not from man. For your glory, for your honor alone, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm sure that you have not been able to miss the fact that it's December. Christmas is upon us again. And everybody's already trying to get you to come and spend all of your money and to, I guess, approach Christmas with an attitude that uh, will in the end do you more harm than good if you're not careful. But one of the things that we think of and should think of, why, what is gifts really all about? I mean, the truth is, is that gifts are a big part of the way that we celebrate Christmas, but why is that? Now, I want us to take our attention back, and God willing, if you've looked in the bullets, you'll notice that I'm going to attempt a part one and part two as we think on this simple thought of the gifts of God. This won't be all that we say about this subject. We'll be looking at some more next Sunday, God willing, as well. But the gifts of God, and I want us to look this morning, first of all, at the gift of singular of God, and then God willing this evening, the gifts, plural, of God. Now, of course, as we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I want you to notice in context what it was that the Apostle Paul inspiration was writing about here. Now, he said, beginning in, in verse 1, Now, concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. 
Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontentency. But I speak this by permission and not by commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. So in essence, the subject that the Apostle Paul is talking about here is that special relationship between a husband and a wife. And he's speaking about the attitude of the whole thing. That in actual fact, it, just as God would give us this principle in many ways throughout the Word of God, our thoughts should always be for the other rather than ourselves. It should be that, you know, he's saying here, you know, the man not having power over his own body and the same with the woman. The simple fact is, is that the desire of our heart should be that the other one be happy, not our own selfish ideas. Now, the Apostle Paul's talking about the fact he wishes that everybody were just like him, thus they didn't have to have a wife at all. <laughs> now, but he says, I realize everybody doesn't have the same gift. Now, we realize that to most of the population, most of us would hopefully look at our wives as being a gift from God, and you wives would look at your husbands in the same fashion. But what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to the church at Corinth here is that each and every Christian, each and every individual, and that's what he points out, where I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Everybody's not the same. But everyone has a gift of God. And they're not the same in each and every individual. Now, there's a number of things as we think of this matter of gifts this morning. I want you to, uh, to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to, to James uh, chapter 1. And in James chapter 1 in verse 17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, no variation whatsoever, neither shadow of turning. Every. Now, does your Bible say that? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. You see, the first thing that we realize is that, is that all blessings... Our gifts, in fact. Anything good that comes into our life is a blessing from God Almighty. It is a gift from God Almighty. He says that every good gift and every perfect gift, and we could trace this back and we could see the, the reality, not a one of us. There's nothing in our lives that we would be able to have if it weren't for God's goodness. You say, I've worked hard for it. I've done it myself. You wouldn't even have been able to work for it had God not given you the breath and the life and the strength and the health to be able to accomplish that. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
Notice what the Apostle Peter says about it in 2 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 3 and 4. He says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, have you ever been in the valley, been discouraged, been despondent, Felt like it just wasn't worth going on. Things just weren't going the way they're supposed to go. This is not the way you had it planned. We've all been there at some time or another. I was, I was speaking with someone this week and trying to, to be an encouragement. So many times, so many times we can get focused upon what we don't have, about what we used to have of where we used to be. I shared with you last Sunday that I had gone back and, and reread the book of Job because I needed to because of a friend of mine that was going through some very, very, very difficult times. And, of course, the amazing thing is, you know, is that we go through Job. I mean, Job got in the valley so bad. Folks, stop and think about it. If anybody in this world ever went bankrupt, Job did. If anybody in this world ever lost everything. I'm talking about every child that he had. I'm talking about his own wife turned against him. So why don't you just curse God and die? That's a lot of encouragement from your spouse, isn't it? I'm talking about his, his health win as well. This was a man that was literally probably the wealthiest man living on earth at the time. And yet he saw everything, his wealth, his health, his family, it was all gone. And even he sat down under the juniper tree one day and he himself cursed the day that he was ever born. Why? Why was I brought into this world to be like this? But you know, the thing is, in his lowest moment, even when he wondered why he'd had to be born into this world, he never lost sight of God. That God was still God. And that God was in control. And you know, the folks is, you know, we know. We know. <laughs> we know because we can read the end of the story. <laughs> we know that in the end, he ended up with more than he had. We know the reason that he went through it all. But he didn't know at the time. Everything good in our life is from God. And the truth is, is what the Word of God is pointing out to us here. Folks, we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We don't have to be bound by those things of the world anymore, what the world's desires are, what the world wants. We find that we've got something far better. We've got the promises of God Almighty. He's the one that makes... He's the one that has made the difference and will continue to make a difference in our lives. So remember that blessings, all the blessings that come into our life, it's all a gift from God. Now, in Romans chapter 8, 
we find in verse 32. The Bible says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Stop and consider what God's word is saying to you there. God was willing to deliver his own son to go through all the ridicule and the mockery and the suffering that he went through when he went to Calvary for you. God was willing to do that for you. Why do you think that he would not freely give? He's already given you the greatest sacrifice that he could possibly make. What makes you think that he won't meet your need and do all that you need doing in your life? Folks, I don't mean this nastily, but sometimes in the flesh, we just downright plain like to feel sorry for ourselves. We like to have a little pity party. We like to get everybody else feeling sorry for us. We just want to wallow in it a little bit. Just leave me alone. I don't want to be happy. <laughs> we just enjoy it sometimes. There is not anybody here that's going through anything in your life. But if you look to God, you look to Him, you have something to be thankful for. You have something to be praising Him for. You see, all the blessings of God are gifts in our lives. They're free gifts. All true gifts are free. <laughs> It's not really a gift if you give it to somebody and, and charge them for it. What the Bible is trying to say, God has given us the most expensive gift that he could. What makes us think that he's not going to give us everything else that we need in our lives? Really, he'll give that to us. Peter also says, if you look back in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 10, he says, as every man hath received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What's one of the first things that your children expresses that they know undoubtedly when they're young that you've never had to teach them? That's mine. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> they get their gift and it's theirs. Just let one of their brothers or sisters try to take it away. That's mine. Well, the Word of God is, you know, sometimes, I know, we may not physically do it the same way, but sometimes that's exactly what we do with our attitudes, even as grown-ups. That's mine. But what the Word of God is, is trying to say to us here, what He says to us here in 1 Peter, He says, As every man hath received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When God has been so gracious as to give you something, He says, be willing to share it with others. Gifts are given to us freely, but they're given that they might be shared. We find that in Romans chapter 11, now, I probably, I probably shouldn't even quote this term if you've never heard it. Uh, it's probably better that you haven't. I'm 
not sure if it was something that Leland would have been used here in Britain or not. But we used to have a little saying, which was really kind of racist, really, when I was a, uh, when I was a kid. And that was when somebody gave you something and took it back, they were an Indian giver. They were an Indian giver. And, of course, you know, that goes back because the white man accused the, the American Indians, you know, of never keeping his word, of breaking all of his promises and all these things when, in fact, it was probably more the other way around anyway in most of those instances. But that was a saying, and what it meant was that, you know, you give somebody something, but it's not for keeps. You give it to them, and then you want to take it back again. But notice what in Romans chapter 11 and verse 29 says. It says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Literally, carries the idea of being irrevocable. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. When God gives you something, He's never been an Indian giver. He's never given you something to take away from you. He says it's without repentance. It's irrevocable. It's God's gift. He's given it to you freely, and it's yours. Yes, if you've got the right attitude, that which he gives you, you're going to want to share with others all the manifold grace of God, of what God has done for you. You'll find that God gives it to you. Just like the callings, I've always, always said, you know, when God calls you to something. He doesn't change his mind halfway through and say, ah, messed up when I called you. <laughs> he knew how much you'd mess up before he called you. Matter of fact, he knows how you're still going to mess up, <laughs> even after you're supposed to have learned your lesson. But his calling is without repentance. And his calling is upon your life. And the Bible says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do. He's not going to call you to do anything that he's not going to take care of. So the gifts of God. I want us to realize, first of all, as we think, as we enter this Christmas season, I want us to think about what Christmas really is all about and what those gifts are supposed to symbolize and what they're supposed to represent. And I want to remind you this morning, even as we come around the Lord's table, to remember him. I want you to remember that all good gifts in your life all perfect gifts, all those things that make a difference, they're all by God's grace. They're all blessings from Him. They're all freely given. And they're given to you not to be selfish and just try to hold all the blessings to yourself, but that you might be able to share. You know, this is a thing so many times, people that know me very well, they know that there's a couple of things that you don't really want to get me started on if you're wanting to have a short conversation. Of course, one of them is the Bible, and the other one's politics. Not that I have any strong opinions about either, but uh, <laughs> of course, I'm, I make no bones about the fact, you know, of, of, of where I stand on issues. I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. Um, and the truth is, is that uh, I've, I've had some very in-depth, loving, friendly discussions uh, with people before about the difference of communism and capitalism, about a free society and one where people are in bondage and forced. And, and, you know, the reality is, is that on the surface it looks like communism would be a great thing. 
I mean, everybody just sharing with everybody and everybody equal. Boy, that, doesn't, that sounds like a wonderful world. But the thing is, there is nothing. That's not what the church was doing in Acts. There's nothing in the Word of God. They weren't in a forced into bondage of these things. The reality is, is that when Christ came into their lives, when Christ made a difference, when it was Him that was within Him, it was their desire to help those that didn't have. It was their desire if they saw a brother in need that they would share that with them. It's something that comes from within, from the heart. And that's what the Word of God is showing us here. When we've been blessed and we all have, it should be a privilege, not a, oh, no, you know, not again. It should be a privilege when we can share with those that are less fortunate, that are less blessed than we are. You know, I think some, God, some, God actually gifts some people with the ability just to be able, to be able to make the money that the other work is able to go on. You know, it takes somebody giving the money that those missionaries can go to the field out there. It takes somebody tithing into the church so that the church can, can pay its bills and, and accomplish the things that need to be done. Maybe that's what God is using you for. But let us not lose sight. Let us not start feeling all proud within. Let's realize that all gifts are from Him. They're given freely. They're given to be shared. They're given without repentance. And I want you to, I'm going to give you three words. They all start with an S that pertain to this gift, singular, that the Word of God keeps referring to, the gift. The gift. The gift is the Son. The gift is the Son. God the Father gave His Son. How many of you can quote with me this morning? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God the Father gave us God the Son. We find that in that same Gospel of John in chapter 4 and in verse 10, the word of God says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Of course, Jesus here at Jacob's well with the Samaritan woman, he said, If you knew, if you knew who it was, be asking for that living water. You'd be asking of him. If thou knewest the gift of God. Look just uh, another couple pages over in your Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 6. And notice what he says in verses 32 to 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall 
never thirst. There are many passages, but what I want you to simply grasp here, the gift, the gift, the Bible says, is the Son. God the Father gave His Son. But the gift also, you say, preacher, but you said gift, singular. Yes, I did. Because we don't have another way of expressing it. But the gift is not only the Son, but it's the Spirit. Notice with me, if you would, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter, chapter 11. Luke, chapter 11. Notice what it says in verse 13. He says, If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? I mean, you and all of your fleshly carnalism and everything, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Well, what about God the Father? If you're able, as you are in your humanness, how much more shall your heavenly Father be willing to give those gifts to you when you ask Him? Now, look back with me, if you would, into the Gospel of John. and Notice in chapter 14, notice in verses 16 and 17, first of all, he's Jesus speaking just before that He was carried off and betrayed with the kiss and carried to Calvary. Here with His disciples, those wonderful words of comfort that he begins there in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. You find that he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The Lord Jesus Christ, trying to encourage them and let them know, look, I'm not going to be here with you, he was the son. But I'm going to give you another in my place. Notice what he says in verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, another paraclete, another one to come alongside you, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Notice a couple of verses down in verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him going to come and make his home. He's going to abide there with them. They together, he says. Notice in verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. In one of the passages in chapter 15 and verse 26, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. God the Father gave the gift of the Son. 
But God the Father and God the Son gave us the gift of the Spirit. You see, the truth is, is that they're inseparable. It is one gift. God the Father gave His only begotten Son. When that Son left this earth to go back to heaven, God the Father and God the Son gave us the Holy Spirit to abide within us, to make their home within us. And you know, we, we sometimes we, we talk about Christ being in our hearts. Yes, He is in the person of the Holy Spirit. God is with us always. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. No, because He's present within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. God is God. You can't separate Him. Yet He's three persons in one. The gift. The Son. The Spirit. In essence, salvation. You see, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, our triune God, that gives us the great gift of salvation. We quoted John chapter 3 and verse 16. The simple truth is, is that the Bible doesn't stop with verse 16. But he goes on and he, he explains further. You see, it did say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But listen, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Boy, you know, sometimes, I, I say this with love, some, some, sometimes, you know, you know what? One of my greatest burdens as a pastor that, I mean, I mean is, is really heavy a lot of times. And that's the fact that, you know, week after week after week after week after week. There's not a week goes by what I don't get the negative from somebody about what's been wrong and what's been wrong and this is not that and this is not the way it should be. And you know how many times that I get from the same people, praise and glory and honor, thankfulness for what God has done. And you see, that's not nasty. That's human. The sad thing is I see that humanness all the time. It's so easy for every one of us to focus on what's wrong and, and what's, some, what's wrong with somebody else even rather than what's great and what's good. And yet we got to correct the wrong. But why is our focus not as much on the grand things that God is doing for us? Why can't we look for something that will lift and encourage to find that Jesus Christ didn't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it? We're too quick sometimes with the condemning. You know, that's, that doesn't mean that Jesus never stood against sin. Doesn't mean that he ever bent and compromised in any way, shape, or form. But folks, his purpose in coming was not to condemn, it was to save. That should be our desire. That should be our desire. That's why we're supposed to be together as a body to exhort, to encourage, to build up one another. That should be our desire for the lost world out there, not to point our pink finger and tell them how ungodly and unkind that they are but to show them the love 
of Christ through us. Let the gift of God, He's given it freely. He's given it without the gift, lives within each and every one of us. That's what salvation is. You see, we can describe the gift with the Son, with the Spirit, but He came to save. That was the whole purpose. God wants you saved. Jesus Christ did all that He did that you might be saved. He continued in the Gospel of John in chapter 6 and in verse 27. He says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. You know, we live in times we can't help but be concerned about the economy. We look around, and, and, and you know, let's face it. I am just as sure as I'm standing in this pulpit today. If, if the media has anything to do with it, man, we're all down the tubes. <laughs> the media make it worse. Why? Because people want to hear the negative news. They want to hear how bad and how terrible it is. That's what gets people excited. That's what sells newspapers. That's what gets people watching the news channels. The blood, the gore, the negative. You see, we'd be pretty foolish not to admit some pretty foolish things have been done and a price is going to be paid and the economy is suffering. But folks, what have we already read? We've been released from the captivity of that. Anybody here so well off that you'll never have to work a day in your life, you'll never have to worry about another retirement check coming in, you just don't know what to do with all that money you've got. <laughs> Most of us live from paycheck to paycheck. Most of us know we should have a whole lot more in savings for the emergencies and a whole lot more in the retirement for those days that are coming. But many of us go from paycheck to paycheck. But you know, that doesn't worry me. There was a time when that really, really bothered me. But I don't let it bother me. I thank God that I get from one paycheck to the next. I thank God that he's never, yes, there's been time, a lot of things that I would like to have that I haven't had. Folks, we're not bound by those things. We have the gift of God. And if there's not another present wrapped and put under the tree this Christmas, we've got the greatest gift that mankind can have. And God has given it freely. And he's given it to us to be shared and he's given it with, with, without repentance. It won't be revoked. It won't be taken back. God the Father gave us his Son. God the Father and God the Son gave us the Spirit. And God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit gave us salvation. We find that in Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to be coming to an end, Romans chapter 5. Notice what he says beginning in verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. 
For if through the offense of one many be dead, that was Adam, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense, if one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Whereas by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I'd be shocked if I ask you, and if I ask you sincerely, if there's anybody here that would, You'd just like to be kicked out of your home and out on the street next week, praise God. You don't have to worry about cleaning it anymore or painting it or keeping it. Just kick me out on the street. Or you'd love it if your car just, poof, just went up in smoke, left you with nothing to drive, no way to get to work. Or you'd love it. Careful. If that place that you worked out just shut down next week. Well, you're so sick of that place anyway. Truth is, we don't go around looking to be kicked out in the street. We don't be looking to lose the things we've got. We certainly don't want to lose our livelihood. And we have to spend a lot of our lives just making ends meet and surviving in this world that we live in. But folks, I want to tell you, and I can't be more serious, and if you can grasp this this morning, we come around this table this morning to remember that one. The gift that came to us through Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. I say to you this morning that if all those things happen, I mean, if you had no home, if you had no car, if you had no job, I don't care what you have in this world, if they took it away from you, they can't take the gift away. You've been given freely, you've been given for eternity. And though we don't desire not to be able to survive in this world, I'm saying, in fact, you will survive if you've got Jesus. It may not be the way that you want it. You will survive. You will survive in the most important way that you can possibly survive in Jesus Christ. Let, don't let this world sap away all of your joy the freedom that he's given to you in this free gift. You see, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. You can't have part of God and not have all of him. 
We are about to come around the Lord's table. I'd like to read you one other passage, and we will, God willing, pick back up this evening and looking at the gifts of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2. The Word of God says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk.